Can you stand to your feet? Because I have the honour and privilege of inviting a phenomenal Holy Spirit-filled speaker to the stage. It's John Ryan. Welcome him up. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, John. Thank you, Pastor Tim. Why don't we stay standing for a moment um, while I figure out this iPad business? Um, how many of you guys are excited to be in church today? Yeah. Yeah. That was good. Usually I ask a second time, but we might have been not need a second time that time. Um, but why don't we just take a moment to, to praise God? Why don't we give a shout to God? Uh, why don't we just thank Him for being here, thank Him for His provision, thank Him for whatever you want in your life. I don't know what's happening in your life, but let's just thank Him. Thank you, Jesus. Lord God, we thank you for this day. Come on, louder, louder. Come on. Praise God. Praise God. All right, you can grab your seats. You can grab your seats. My, my tablet's still not working, um, but it'll figure itself out, I'm sure. Well, today we're going to be speaking about, um, and it's something that I have seen has been rampant over the last couple, of, the, the last year or so with COVID. Can you, can you believe that we're almost at our COVID anniversary? Like it's almost, it's March, um, which, is, which is nuts. I might get someone, do you mind more, Jerome, do you mind trying to unlock this thing? Um, technology, or we, can, or we can preach without notes. We can try that, but that's, that's boldness. See, it's just frozen. Just take it off and maybe do your best. Thanks, man. Um, so today I've got a, a, an awesome sermon, and the, the title of my sermon is Home is Where You're. A home is where you're. And that's where, why don't you turn to the person next to you, behind you on the side, and say, home is where you're, and why don't you finish the sentence? Where, where your dishes are, home is where you're. I don't know what home is for you. Home is where you're. I, I know um, there's been something in, in my heart that's been, been touched over the last couple of months, and I, I know that the Spirit of God is working on it today in this church, that the, the Spirit is already talking to people um, and is already convicting people, is already challenging people, is already encouraging people in this place already. Um, and, and I'm excited for that, and I'm, I know um, that this Word is not going to be just a Word that's um, informational or to inform you or just to teach you, but the Word of God is alive. For people that read the Word, they know the Word of God is alive and it can meet you where you're at. It can meet you, it knows where you're going in your future. And today's Word is going to be a Word that is alive. And I hope, and I know preparing this sermon, it was just, it was just a mess. It was, it was, to be honest with you, it was a mess because God was calling me to repentance when I was doing this sermon. Um, and it was just convicting me and just saying, wow, I didn't even know I had this in me. So I, I just pray today that it's the same for all of us. Why don't we pray today? God, I thank you today. I thank you, Jesus, that you are at work today, God, that you are alive um, and that you are moving, God. And I just pray today, Lord God, that my speech is not of eloquence, but it is of the power of God and that the Holy Spirit, Lord Father, would be able to speak through me and speak to people, that, Lord God, you would penetrate the hearts. The hardest of hearts today would be softened, Lord God. That as David says in, in, in the Psalms, Lord God, that uh, the only sacrifice that is desirable to God is a broken spirit, a contrite spirit. So God, we just pray today that we would not come here with pride. We would not come here like we've got it all together, but we would be, uh, we, you would receive us, God, Lord Father, as broken people, as humble people before you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Home is where you're. I know recently, um, Cleaner and I were very excited to move into our first house, our first home, uh, which is really so we bought a house. It's just been a blessing, um, and we're really, really excited about that. We've been doing renovations and the lot. For those of you who may know or may have visited, we were living in an um, apartment in Campbelltown, 
Um, and it was in the CBD of Campbelltown. And some interesting things happened um, around that story. I can't go into all of it, but if you want to hear the stories, there's some crazy stuff that happens there. Um, but for us, um, the police station was right around the corner. Downstairs, there was two petrol stations. So you would hear police sirens during the night. You'd hear the fire brigade. The fire station was just on the same street. It was just chaos sometimes. Um, and you could never get a quiet moment. That, that, that was the most interesting about living there. And um, we had a 7-Eleven that was open throughout the night. And I don't know if you guys know, but petrol stations, the doors get closed at like midnight um, just for safety and people have to go to the window. And the only way to communicate to the people outside was through a megaphone. So during the middle of the night, our window faced that petrol station. Uh, so in the middle of the night, we're hearing this bloke telling people off through the megaphone um, at the petrol station. Um, just crazy environment. So when we got to this place and we're living in the suburbs and you hear the crickets outside, you're like, what is going on? Oh, this is just strange. This is so strange. And I know for me, I, when I think of home, I think of peace. I think of rest. I think of quietness. Does anyone feel the same? You just feel like it's a place where you feel comfort. But it, but it breaks my heart. And today I'm going to be speaking sort of from three levels of home. One of them being the home of our hearts, the home, the home of our church, Whatever, wherever you call home, that's the place I'm speaking to today. So home. I know that over the last year or so that homes have been broken. And, and, it, and it breaks my heart that the place that we should find rest and peace are the same places that are so broken and so dysfunctional. I was speaking to the real estate agent uh, that sold us the property. And they said, all of my listings right now are people that have come out of COVID, out of COVID and are getting separated getting divorced at home and living at home together. Places that we do not find this peace, the home, the church, our families, why are these places the places where we do not find this peace all the time? And what can we do about it? I know in, in, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, in the Beatitudes where Jesus is on his Sermon on the Mount, and this is the premise and the crux of my sermon today, uh, Jesus says in Matthew 5, verse 9, and he says a whole bunch of other things in here about being blessed, but he says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. I think it's up there. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. And I think this is powerful because we're called to be peacemakers. And I'm going to come to a couple of distinctions of what a peacemaker is. But I, it, it's interesting how other people view peace. We see, you know, how you've got the hippies and they're, they're smoking, whatever they're smoking. They're like, peace out, dude. You know, those people. Um, that, this, their peace is trying to find it in escaping, right? They try to escape to find peace. People find pe peace in weird places. Asia backpacking to try to find this inner peace or peace within the... People find pe peace in weird places. And I want to... This is a thought that has just, just been wreaking havoc in my spirit this week. Is that... And, and you might have to process this with me, but sometimes as Christians, we view heaven as an escape from this world. We view heaven as an escape. As an escape. Because people say heaven is where my home is, and I'm not saying that's absolutely wrong, that's a part of it. But we forget what Revelations 21, 22 says, where it says that there's going to be, we're actually coming back as resurrected. So heaven really is just a transitory place. We're not there for eternity. We're actually coming back as resurrected bodies. It's, it's just like, it's, it blew my mind because I'm thinking, anyone watched Left Behind before? That movie messed me up, hey. All of a sudden they're on a plane and some guy's lost his jeans and he's not there anymore. Um, just rapture. I don't know if you've seen the movie, it's the rapture. They just reenact it Hollywood style. It's just crazy. Um, but, 
But we accord, uh, Jesus came to establish the kingdom of God. Jesus didn't come out to hand out tickets to be saved and go to heaven. Jesus is calling us to be transformed disciples of Christ. So the, what that means is, is when Jesus says to pray, he says to pray like this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. He doesn't, he's not saying let's wait for heaven. He's saying let's bring heaven down to earth. Because eventually the story of creation is this, that Jesus created a good world, a good creation. He's not, he, he, his backup plan wasn't just throwing out earth and saying, let's all go to heaven. And that's how we view it sometimes. Like, I just can't wait to leave this body, this place. I'm going to be at heaven. And yes, we have this longing to be with Jesus. I have this longing to be with Jesus. Maybe you've had it before. But our thinking around it might have to change a little bit. Because God's escape plan was like, oh, all right, Adam and Eve stuffed up. Let's get out of here, boys. Let's go to heaven. That's not... His full mission is actually to restore the earth. I encourage you to read Revelation 21, 22 and get the whole picture, to get the whole picture there. So what does that mean for us? What difference does this make, Joel? This is in an eternity. This is a long time. Why does this even matter for me now that there's going to be restored earth and restored heaven? It's because Jesus has invited us onto this mission. And God has invited us onto this mission to restore the kingdom of God here on earth. He's invited us to do that. And that means that we don't have to wait to heaven to experience heaven. We can experience heaven today. And that's why Jesus says to pray. He doesn't say to pray just to pray. He says, because we want to experience it. It's interesting in 1 Corinthians 13 uh, verse something, you might have to get it up on the screen. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 8 to 9. It says, love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will seize. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. Jesus, uh, uh, not Jesus, Paul is talking here about the completion of all things. He says, when we get to the new earth and the new heaven, we're not going to need prophecy anymore because we're in the fullness of God where we are. We're not going to need these things anymore because we're going to be in all completeness. We're going to be with our Father face to face. We're, we're, we're going to be the, we're going to experience the kingdom of heaven on earth as it is new bodies, resurrected bodies. So where am I going with all of this? Where am I going with all this? I'm going and I'm saying that the kingdom of heaven can be experienced here on earth. We are called to be citizens of heaven. And we have it, uh, the verse up there in, uh, I believe it's in, we're going to get up. It's the citizens of heaven one. I think it's Ephesians, no, Philippians. Uh, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly wait a, a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like His glorious body. I love this. We'll just leave that verse up there. We'll just leave that verse up there for a second. It says, this is how we should view it. Our citizenship is in heaven. Everyone say, our citizenship is in heaven. Thank you. Our citizenship is in heaven. So our citizenship being in heaven, you've got to think of it in the context of what Paul is talking. Paul is talking to the Rome, the, the, uh, a Roman empire. He's saying that a Roman citizen has certain rights and privileges. Within, uh, within Rome, if you're a Roman citizen, you uh, have certain privileged legal trial and own property, you can do all these things. You, uh, you have the privilege of a legal trial and you can appeal. Non-citizens could get flogged and, and be guilty without any trial. 
you had, they had certain rights as a citizen of Rome, and Rome was a colonizing um, empire. It would go around and take over territories where someone, uh, being a Roman citizen doesn't necessarily, the person was born in Rome. They, wherever they stayed, they still held those rights and privileges. And you see that throughout the Bible, Paul got out of some floggings and some persecution because he says, I'm a Roman citizen to me. You cannot do this to me. So what does it mean to be a citizen of heaven? Notice we're citizens of heaven, but we've never been to heaven. We're citizens of heaven, but have never been to heaven. Isn't that interesting? Interesting that the verse emphasizes that not only we're citizens of heaven, it's not saying we're longing for heaven to come, we're waiting for Jesus to come back and resurrect us in our new bodies. Isn't that just an interesting perspective when we start to read the New Testament a little bit differently? It's just powerful. So what does that mean? As citizens of heaven, that means we live under the rule and we live everywhere. We live under heaven, even though we live here on earth. Even if earth is our home or wherever we are, we live under the authority and the rule of heaven. That means we're called to prophesy. That means we're called to words of knowledge. That means we're called to be restorers of what God is going to do in His complete fullness. So God is going to fully, completely restore the shalom of God. The peace of God is going to fully cover this earth and we're going to be in perfect peace, perfect unity, perfect harmony. But before we get there, God has called us to be restorative agents. We're here to be conduits, here to be vessels of God's peace, God's love. And so when, we're, when we prophesy, what we're doing is we're bringing divine revelation of God and, and we're giving people a foretaste of heaven. In Romans 8, it says that the Holy Spirit within us is a foretaste of future glory. You know, when you see, you know, you know movies, right? You know, when you, you, you can usually know a terrible movie by its trailer because they put all the good parts in there. <laughs> and you watch the movie like, well, this is just a bunch of the trailer and some things to fill it in between. But it's usually the ones with teasers that like last like eight seconds and they keep you on the edge of your seat and like, all right, there's more to see here. But that's what heaven is for us. We're going to experience this in our full completeness, but God isn't just saying, hey, wait till we get there. He's saying you can experience that now. And He's giving you the Holy Spirit to help you through that. He's saying that you can have peace now. Isn't that powerful? You can have peace now. Peace now. I might get my phone up. Praise God. So going back to the start, what is a peacemaker? A peacemaker is someone that makes peace. Isn't it interesting that Jesus didn't say, blessed are the peacekeepers? My NLT Bible that I read at home, it says, blessed are those um, who work for peace. Not those who keep the peace or, or wish for peace or hope for peace. Those who make the peace. So God is asking us as restorative agents of, 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 of the kingdom that we can work for peace now. That we can work for peace. Blessed are those who work for peace for they will be called children of God. Because we, when, we when we are peacemakers, we represent Christ. We are the image, uh, we, are the, we, we are reflective of our Father's heart to make peace. And, and, and that's what it is. And I know that in Matthew 10, it talks about Jesus coming and he, Jesus didn't come to make peace, but he came uh, to bring the sword. Uh, and that's because the gospel is offensive. The gospel is offensive by itself, but Christians don't have to be offensive. The gospel is offensive already. There's something, you know what I mean? Like, we don't have to add to the offense because there's something offensive about the gospel that it's exclusive. 
If, if you don't, there's only one way to God. If you don't get that way, it's an exclusive already. And people are going to get frustrated about that. That will divide families. And, and the word says that. That will divide mother from, uh, from son and et cetera, et cetera. That's offensive. But as Christians, we shouldn't, like, there's nothing else we have to add to that offense. That's why we're called to be peacemakers because the gospel is offensive. We're called to bring kingdom culture. And when we, when we live under the authority of Christ, when we live as citizens of heaven, when we see stuff here on earth, there's just like, there's just some things you, as a citizen culture that you have to, there's just some things you can't let happen in, in your thing. There's kingdom culture that you have to uphold when you're, when you're a, a citizen of heaven, when you're a child of God. There's just some things you can't let, but you just can't let gossip um, be, be in your circle, in your ear. You just can't let those things happen. You can't let slander, it's, that does have, that have that work against the peace. You can't let these things happen. That's not what we do. It's, that, does have, that has no place in marriages, no place. Heaven, that's what we're called to uphold. That's what we're called to work towards. It just has no place. I, 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 I know, and this is part of my repentance and the thing of this, my mum, um, who was sitting at the front row, she has this famous line, she goes, Joel, you're a stirrer. <laughs> and she says it exactly like that too. <laughs> you're a stirrer, Joel. You know, the opposite of a peacemaker is a troublemaker. <laughs> and unfortunately, that, I wore that title for a long time and I'm still sort of, I'm a recovering sarcastaholic or whatever you would want to call it. I was a troublemaker, hey, even at school and all these places. Um, but why do, like, I just feel like we imitate the world too much when it comes to troublemaking, like, we, we as Christians shouldn't uh, entertain drama. We shouldn't seek it out. Um, there's just some things that, like reality TV shows. That's stuff we shouldn't mimic. We let it into our hearts and souls. The only way to sell ratings on a reality TV is drama. A lot of it's manipulated and manufactured, and we forget it's real people on the other side. The tears behind the screen, there's some hurt happening there. Media, that's how the media gets hits and views. They sensationalize. And they create drama. They're not there to make, make the peace. They're to, to stir you up and create havoc. I remember God convicting me three, two and a half years ago, three years ago, we at a connect group and we're talking about forgiveness and all these things. And then I remember just God placing this one guy on my heart. And it was strange because I hadn't talked or seen to this guy in like 10 years, like since like year four, five, six, something like that. And there was this, this thing that happened when we were like 10 years old, right, which doesn't sound deep. But it was this, I remember doing this thing to this guy and it just really wasn't good, hey. Like I just hurt, I just hurt this guy um, emotionally and I just, I just, it just cut him up a bit. And I remember we never, there was never a, every, every second day that God was just working on my heart. The Holy Spirit was working my heart through that week. And he, every, every second day that name would just come into my brain. I'm like, what the heck? What's, what's going on here? And I remember coming to a sermon like this and they were speaking on forgiveness and there was something in my heart that said, Joel, you just have to seek some closure here. So uh, just out of, out of nothing, I went and just messaged this guy on, on, on Facebook. I just found him on Facebook, messaged him like, hey man, like I know this is super random, but I just feel like God was like, and he receives it really well. And since that moment until this point of preparing the sermon, I haven't even thought about that thing. But there was some closure there. There was some closure there. And I, I'm just thinking, like, what does it look like in your life to, to work for peace? What does it look like in your life to see that closure? Because I know when there's unrest in the soul, when there's unrest in the spirit because of unforgiveness or undealt with problems, that's why God says, blessed are the peacemakers. 
Because there's stuff underlying the service that we, we need to get to. We're living by different standards now. We don't just keep the peace. We seek out injustice as Christians. We seek out injustice. We stand in the gap. We intercede for people who are, who are vulnerable. We intercede for these people. This is our responsibility. Because we can easily play the ticket to heaven card. I'm going to heaven. I'm saved. Yay me. You know what I mean? But God has called us to be on his mission to restore humanity from now and restore creation. In Romans 12, 18, this is interesting. It says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. It's sad, um, but it's so true that peace is intrinsically linked to forgiveness. And this is a realization that I've come to that people fall short all the time. I fall short all the time. People don't meet your expectations. There's unmet expectations that happen. There's, there's names that get called. There's, there's people that write you off. There's people that have said mean things to you, that have hurt you. There's, these things happen. And that's just being a part of this broken world. That's a part of being in this broken spirit. It says that all creation in Romans 8, it says all creation yearns to be free from the death and decay. And we should feel the same. We're yearning for that completeness of the new earth, being a resurrected body, fully, fully healed of that. But right now, God has called us to be agents of peace. He's called us to be peacemakers where we're at. I tried to explain the gospel of forgiveness to a co-worker one time um, at Liverpool Westfields. I remember sitting down on the food court and I, and I referenced this parable and I encourage you to do the same. It's really good. We're going to flick to Matthew 18. And I do apologize that we've been um, jumping here and there between the stuff, but um, this parable is really, really good. Matthew 18, 21. It says, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Which I think seven times is pretty generous from Peter. Seven times is pretty good. Jesus answers, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. And then listen to this. This is beautiful. And it's exactly what we're talking about in verse 23 of Matthew chapter 18. It says, therefore, everyone say the kingdom of heaven. If you look at majority of Jesus' parables, he's talking about the kingdom of heaven. And he's not saying, guys, when you get to heaven, let's start acting like this. He's teaching them how to live now. Because as soon as we're saved, we're a part of the kingdom of heaven. Some people think eternal life starts when you get to heaven. No, eternal life starts now. You're a child of God now. You're a citizen of heaven now. That's why God is saying, pray for healing now. Because he, he, there's no sickness when we get to the restored earth. We're new bodies these things we can experience if we have the faith to believe for it, if we, if we lean into God. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven, a man owed him to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man owed him 10,000 bags of gold. You can imagine, that's a lot of money. In other versions, it says it, he owed him millions of dollars. And, it was brought, and the man was brought to him. It says, since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had to be... Uh, had to be sold to repay the debt. So this guy got himself into so much debt. It's not like uh, Australian uh, company law and all that where you can just go bankrupt and start again, right? This is, if, if you're bankrupt and you owe someone, you're selling your life, you're selling your wife, you're selling your children just to repay this debt. You're slaving yourself out. It says, at this, the servant fell on his knees before him. 
Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay you back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, tens of dollars, and let him go. Isn't that a beautiful story of redemption? Like this guy owed him millions of dollars. You couldn't imagine what the deficit this guy had from letting this guy off. 10,000 back. This king was very generous and very graceful. You can imagine the worry on the guy's face as he's on his knees. He's, he's just in despair. What am I going to do? This isn't just going to cost me. It's going to cost my family. It's going to cost my generations. I'm, I'm, I am doomed. It's like going to jail with life sentence. It says, but when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 silver coins, which is the equivalent of a couple of Gs, a couple of thousand dollars. It says he found the man who owed him this money and he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be pleased, be patient with me and I will pay it back. He refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what happened, they were outraged and went and told the master everything that had happened. Isn't this just an incredible story? The man had just been let off from millions and millions of dollars. He had been forgiven of all his debt, his children, his generations. Now they could be set free. They started clean slate, clean slate. And all of a sudden, someone owed him a couple of thousand dollars and he's gone and choked, choked him up, put him against the wall and said, I need the money now. It says, then the master called the servant in. He said, you wicked servant. I canceled all of the debt that was yours because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In his anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back what all he owed. This is how my heavenly father would treat each of you unless you forgive your brothers or sisters from your heart. That's pretty full on. Um, and I, if, I don't know if the parable makes sense to you, but what Jesus is saying here uh, is that the king in this story, the guy that forgave the guy millions of dollars, that is our heavenly father. That is, that is God, our father. And God, in all of our muck, in all of our mess, in all of our hate, in all of our selfishness, in all of our mistakes, in all of my provocative nature, in all of my stirring, in all of my uh, failures and mistakes, in, in everything, in everything I've done, God still uh, makes a way for me. God still forgave me. And that wasn't something that was easy for God to do. He sent his only son, Jesus, to die at the cross so that I could be saved. Colossians 1.20 says, And through him to reconcile himself to all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, making peace through his blood shed on the cross. In Romans it says, in Romans 5.10, that we were enemies of God. We were enemies of God, but yet God reconciled himself to us. In Romans 5.1, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm so grateful, I don't know about you, but I'm so grateful that I have been made, there is peace between me and God. I don't know about you, who is grateful 
that God made a way for them. Who is grateful? Who is grateful that despite your failures, come on, despite your mistakes, despite what you've been through, no, no, the, despite what you've been hurt, despite what you've hurt others with, aren't you grateful that God made a way for you? Aren't you grateful that just through our faith, we can be justified by what we believe? Just by what we believe that we are justified. God, that is perfect. And yet me, Joel, <laughs> you, are put before with a million dollars worth of sin. Um, our, our, our thousand bags of, of dirt and disgust before a God who loves us and cared for, uh, cared for us enough to welcome us back home. And, and I believe that, that God is the best example of how we... It's not easy. It's not easy at all. But there's this, this sort of cycle, and I was talking to Kalina about this last night, there's this cycle to get to peace. It's kind of like there's some forgiveness at the start. Yeah, there needs to be some process. Peace is there because there's chaos or there's, there's hurt, and these things happen because we're human. These things happen because we're people. But there has to be this element of forgiveness. And then there's this point of uh, reconciliation, but reconciliation happens. Why? Because people got to the point where the other person believed enough that they got to a point of repentance, ready to move away and turn away from their sin. And that's how we come to Christ. There's an element of forgiveness and reconciliation. And that's where we find peace with God. That's what God did for us. And it's a very similar cycle to what we do with others. We can forgive others because Christ has forgiven us. We can give peace to others. We can give other people. And I like this term. I heard someone say this differently a couple of years ago. You know the term, the benefit of the doubt? We give people the benefit of the doubt. But why don't we start giving people the benefit of love? Because like when we think of the benefit of the doubt, we're thinking like, oh, well, I don't think as they actually meant that in that way. And I, I think that they might have, but why don't we just cover them with unconditional love and say, you know what? Regardless, I'm still called to make peace with this person. I still love this person. I'm going to give them the benefit of Christ's love, not the benefit of my doubt. Matthew 5, 9 says, blessed are the peacemakers. Everyone say peacemakers. For they will be called children of God. There's a, I want to just read something that a guy called Rick Ezel wrote, a pastor and author. He said this. He says, The peacemaker pursues more than the absence of conflict. They don't avoid strife. In fact, sometimes peacemaking will create strife. They aren't merely seeking to appease the warring parties. They aren't trying to accommodate everyone. Instead, they are pursuing all the beauty and blessedness of God upon another. As William Barclay translates this verse, they are people who produce right relationships in every sphere of life. As citizens of heaven, we know our mission is restoration and reconciliation. And as we are reconciled with God, we partner with God to remove the darkness from this world, to fight the, because at the end of the day, this isn't, a, this isn't an us versus them. It isn't, uh, our, our, we're reversing our auntie and we're warring as families. This is really a battle between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. And, and, and he's using people um, to, to get in the way. So what can we do to bring, to restore broken relationships or restore um, and bring the peace? We can pray for godly perspective. We can pray for a change in our heart. Anyone got caught up praying saying, God, I just pray. I pray God today that you change their heart and you make them feel different. 
Anyone done that before? God, I just know that you know they're wrong. And God, I just pray that you continue to change their minds. And like, <laughs> anyone been there before? <laughs> God, and I just pray the way they spoke to me, God, I pray you change the tone of their voice. <laughs> and I pray you make them take back every word they... <laughs> why, don't, why don't we pray for perspective that God changes our heart? Why don't we pray that we come to repentance in our heart? Another, another tip to coming to reconcile is to initiate, initiate, initiate. In Romans, the, the, the verse I, I read out, it says, as far as it depends on you, as far as it depends on you, seek the peace. Wow, wow, wow. And you know what? Some people won't come to the party and that's just life, right? Um, some people won't come to the party, but I'm, I'm, I don't want to live with like, you know, just things hanging off my life and, you know, avoiding people at the shops and, you know, you know, cross the street sort of business. No one wants to live like that in the back of their minds. No one wants to cross the road when they see someone they don't like. No one wants to live like that. No one wants to go to a family gathering and sit on the furthest table from the other person you're not talking to. No one wants to do that. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm sick of burnt bridges and, and bad relationships and broken connection lines and all of this other stuff. And broken marriages, fractured families, deserted sons and daughters, failing friendships, split churches, And I'm glad God didn't treat me like I treat people. I'm glad God didn't treat us like we treat people. Anyone else grateful? I'm so grateful. I'm grateful that God's the one that, that chases the one, even though the 99 are fine. <laughs> I'm so glad that God chased and pursued me in my sin and in my unforgiveness. I'm so, so glad. I'm so, so glad that God, be glad that God, so I'm glad that God doesn't treat me like I treat people and he pursues me, he chases after me, even if the 99 or even if my other, all the other friends and Christians are fine, God still came for me. God is calling us to say, have the same heart as God, to be a peacemaker, to pursue the peace, to make the peace, to work for the peace. Oh gosh, I don't know how else we can put it to work for the peace. Peace isn't the absence of conflict or relationships are messy, life's in of hard times. It's pursuing it even when it gets tough. Life is, relationships are messy, life is messy. Our home lives are messy. Being with family is not easy. Being in a marriage isn't easy. Trying to work a parental relationship, it's not easy. Being in a workplace with people that are difficult, it's not easy. Being, you know, growing up and having people write you off, that's, that's not easy. These things aren't easy, but God says to work for the peace. God says to, we're called to be actively pursuing the peace. And in a moment, I'm gonna, I'm gonna open the floor. If, if anyone needs prayer, they just feel like they need to come to a place of repentance or they need a healing from a past hurt. Because can you imagine we're going to pray and declare as a church that we'd be a church of peacemakers? Worship, we, we imagine what it looks like to have the glimpse of, we can have a glimpse of heaven today. When we worship, we, we experience heaven here on earth. When we do these things, we experience God 
the supernatural power of God in the physical. We can experience that and you can experience that in your relationships. You can experience healing in your heart. It might've happened years ago, like it did with my friend. It might've happened 10 years ago. And, 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 and the saddest thing is, maybe it's someone that has passed away. I've seen, and it's an awful situation. I've seen people, I've seen family that they're holding a hurt with someone and all of a sudden the person passes away with unresolved conflict. Doesn't it make you sick to the stomach when that stuff happens? And I just wanna, I just wanna have an open life and an open heart that that stuff, I'm gonna have to have a standard, tolerate that stuff in my life. As citizens of heavens, we're gonna have to have a standard to say, I, I don't tolerate that in my life. That I'm, I'm called to, to be a peacemaker. I'm called to live like Jesus lived. It might take some humility. It might say, you know what, Joel, you are, you've struggled with being sarcastic or a troublemaker. You're meant to, but guess what? The old is gone, the new has come. The flesh, your fleshly desires are gone. They're dead. When, when you accept Christ, you're given a new body. You're given, and, and sometimes the sin and the, and the temptation will try to drag you back. But Jesus is there to say, no, you are restored. You are my bride and you are my church. That You, you shouldn't linger in this mess and this sickness and, and this disease of mind to say that we just live in this unforgiveness and we live in this poison. But you're called to be holy. You're called to be blameless. You're the beautiful bride of God. You were called, you were made in God's image and God knows your heart. And the only way we're gonna experience that peace is if we come to Him with a broken, a contrite spirit and say, God, I'm all yours. Why don't we close our eyes today? In Philippians 4, 7, it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I'm gonna open the floor in a moment and we're gonna petition God. We're gonna pray and we're gonna declare, God, I come today with a broken heart and I say, God, heal my heart, heal my family, heal my relationships, heal the very bone. God, I not, might not know that I have this in me, but God, I pray for a freedom from this in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit. I don't know if you realize, but the Holy Spirit is working on hearts right now. As He worked in mine on this sermon, as He as He as He came to me and said, Joel, you gotta you gotta reach out to that person and bring closure. Today He's doing the same thing for people in their hearts today. Uh, and I pray that you have the faith and you're stirred to come and prayer and petition with me this morning at the front at the altar. So if that's you today, come to the front, come to the front, come to the front. If, if that's you today and you need that prayer and you want that peace in your heart, I pray that you come to the front. Is there anyone here that wants to come to the front? Yep. Is there anyone else that needs that today? There is an anointing on the sermon today. And if you, if you want that peace, if you want a petition in prayer today, I pray that you come to the front. No one's judging you. No one, no one cares that you come up. I'll wait some more. Be anxious about anything, but even every situation by prayer and petition, 
with thanksgiving, present your request to God. No matter where you are in the building this morning, I just pray, whether you're at the front or in your seat, I just pray that you petition God where you are. You petition God from where you are right now. God, I pray over this congregation. I pray for the people that have stepped out in faith. Lord God, I don't know what's happened in the lives of people here today. I don't know what relationships have been broken or what inner peace has been destroyed, whether it be through hurt or abuse, whether it be through marriage, Lord God, or one of the closest covenants, Lord God, or one of the most closest closure and healing in us. And, 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 and Lord God, there's been brokenness there, God. I just pray for your closure and healing. God, I, I pray for where relationships, Lord God, with siblings, with parents, with sons and daughters have been divided. The enemy's got in the way. God, I just pray, Lord God, that you're delivering those circumstances. Lord Father, you're breaking, you're breaking, you're breaking, Lord Father, hard hearts this morning. You're softening hearts to be open to the healing power of Jesus Christ. Lord God, that we might not understand it. There's something in our hearts this morning that our spirit's not something, but the, the Word says that it surpasses understanding. There is something, that, something we might comprehend, but it's something that we could just know in our very being this morning, that there is something that needs that closure, that something that needs that healing, that peace that only God can provide. God, whether it be in the church, Lord God, I pray, Lord Father, any past church hurts, that your bride, Lord Father, as, as, as beautiful as called to be, Lord Father, sometimes can go through strife. I pray, Lord God, for your healing, Lord God, in those areas. God, I pray for reconciliation, Lord God, between us and God, that we would have peace with our, with our Creator. And that same peace that we have with our Creator can be, can be spread out to the others around us. God, I just pray in the name of Jesus. Chris, we're going to worship and then...